we, uh, today, we're going to talk about um, our greater purpose. And we are going to start out with a, uh, a little film clip. And if you've never seen uh, Chariots of Fire, let me set this up for you. Eric Little is a, uh, is a, Scot a Scottish man, and God has gifted him incredibly in the area of running. And he's having a conversation with his sister, Jenny. And they do ministry together, and she's worried that he has taken his focus off of the ministry and has spent too much time on running. So let's, let's, see, let's see this clip. Okay, God's given him this gift of running, and when he runs, he feels his pleasure. Um, I just love that he recognizes that gift, and he can use that for the glory of God. Today we're going to talk about two things. What is our purpose, and what are we doing about it? What is our purpose? The Shorter Westminster Catechism was written in the 1640s, and the purpose of it was to educate laypersons in matters of doctrine and belief. The most famous of the questions is the first. What is the chief end of man? It is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. What does that look like to glorify God? We glorify God by obeying his, his commands and by understanding the calling. In Matthew, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Our calling is to love the Lord by loving and serving his people. What does that look like to serve others? My eyes are not on myself. They are on Christ and on others. Because of Christ, and this is when I'm glorifying God, when I'm serving others. Serving others is good for our souls. Tim Tebow is the starting quarterback for the University of Florida Gators. He is a Heisman Trophy winner and has taken his team to two national championships. Tim grew up in a uh, as a missionary kid in the Philippines. His parents taught him to serve others at a young age. When he lost a big uh, football game recently, Tim knew exactly what to do because it was modeled for him while he was growing up. He knew he had to get the focus off of himself. So that afternoon, what, he called his dad up and, and he, the dad could hear the disappointment in his voice and, and he said, well, Tim, you know what you need to do? And he goes, Dad, you're absolutely right. And he spent the afternoon with inner city kids. Why? Because serving others is good for our soul. Joseph in the Old Testament, and anyone that knows me that knows that Joseph is my favorite character in the Old Testament. I love how Joseph persevered through difficult times that were totally out of his control. Um, we learned so much from him. Joseph found himself in a tragic situation when his 10 older jealous brothers sold him into slavery. He was taken away from his family and sold into Egypt to a man named Potiphar, who was king of the captain's guard. And I think this is so interesting. The king of the, the captain's guard, if anyone knows that, I mean, he's kind of the, the hatchet man, okay? So this guy, is, he's a head executioner, right? So this gets even more interesting. So he's working for Potiphar, and everything that, um, that he has, God blesses because of Joseph. Before he knew it, though, he was falsely accused of a crime he did not commit against Potiphar's wife. So he was thrown into the dungeon. Hmm, if Potiphar really thought he did it, do you think the head executioner would throw him into the dungeon? Wow, talk about unfortunate. But, there is, but here's the thing. Joseph did it all without cursing his God. The Bible tells us that the Lord was with him, and uh, even when he was in the, in the dungeon, um, he found favor with the chief uh, jailer, and, um, and so much so that the chief jailer put everything under his control. Joseph goes on to interpret a dream in giving God all the glory, and he becomes second in command in Egypt. God had a plan for Joseph. Um, by doing this, he protected Egypt and the surrounding areas from starvation in a time of famine by storing up grain. Joseph's family could have easily died in this famine. 
God had a special purpose for his family. Hello. They were the 12 tribes of Egypt. He had good reason to protect this family. Did Joseph know about God's plan? No, but he trusted him. Do I question the Lord's plan for my life? Do I let him use me as he wills? The Lord had a plan for Joseph, just like he has a plan for you and me in the good and bad times, and in Joseph's case, the horribly bad times. Joseph honored his God by doing so brought glory to his name. Are you trusting God in your difficult circumstances? Serving others is also good for other people's souls. People are encouraged when they see God's people at work, serving without selfish motive. Watermark has recently adopted a school in West Dallas, Sequoia Elementary. And uh, this is exciting because we're getting our Bible study involved in serving this community. Um, and me, along with uh, my two daughters, went out with several people right before school started, the week before, to help the teachers set up their classrooms. And um, they couldn't believe that people would come for no other reason to help in the name of Christ. And they were encouraged. What did we have to gain? Really nothing. But that is the point. We are not doing it for ourselves. We are doing it to bring glory to God. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. I love how our workbook touched on career versus calling. We can pick a field of interest and choose to make a career out of it. Regardless of the career, though, which may change several times in our lifetime, our calling stays the same. Glorify God in all that we do. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. What does it, okay, and then our second point is, what does it look like to enjoy him forever? Okay, remember the first catechism, it said, um, the, what is the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So we're going to talk about what does it enjoy, look like to enjoy him forever. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he said, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. What does rejoice mean? The dictionary definition is to be glad, take delight, to make joyful. What does it look like? Singing, a joyful attitude, a content and grateful heart. A woman in my small group told us the other day that she was frustrated and discouraged. So she decided to make herself stop what she was doing and purposely sing praise songs. She said within five minutes, she had a joyful heart. Her whole countenance had changed. That's what we need to do. We need to be purposeful about our attitude. Um, Call, my anxious, Call My Anxious Heart hello, is one of my favorite books. And um, we moved uh, to Colorado and lived there for nine years. And it takes most people three years to adjust to a place. Well, I was well into my fourth year and thinking, God, I wasn't sure that he had sent me to the right place. And then I opened this book, and it changed my life. And why did it change my life? Because Linda Dilla says that contentment is a form of worship. And when I read that, I was like, oh, you know, I have been so, you know, grumbling and discontent that the Lord sent me here. And uh, I mean, it just, it changed my world. She talks about contentment being a form of worship. In the times that I am discontent, I have taken my eyes off of him and I question his goodness for me. Linda and her husband Jody were missionaries in um, Hong Kong for three years. She wrote a summary of her time there. In fact, she wrote two completely different summaries. One summary, she spoke of the great shopping at the local markets, great bargains, the convenience of uh, faxing her grocery list to the store and it being delivered that afternoon. Fresh salmon, fresh pineapple, Travel was easy and frequent. They visited China, Japan, South Korea, Singapore, Vietnam, and more. She goes on to talk about how Hong Kong is a great place to visit, but not a great place to live. The second version explained how the shopping was great if you were a size two. 
She is a size eight on a good day. Um, several times, they had night intruders invade their home while they were sleeping. She felt very unsafe and an ocean away from her four children. It was very difficult. Her point, you can look at the stars or you can look at the mud. It was very, um, by which she was going to dwell on, it was a choice, but the choice is, what are we gonna dwell on? Are we gonna dwell on the positive? Are we gonna be, choose to be content? Are we gonna look at the mud? You are glorifying God when you choose the positive. Paul said to the Philippians, finally brothers, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. This girl's is a great verse to put to memory. Okay, so what are you gonna do? What does that look like for you? Are you discontent with something in your life? Are you questioning his goodness? Are you questioning his perfect plan? Now let me ask you, what are you dwelling on? Are you dwelling on what is true, noble, and praiseworthy? Just like Linda Dillow, we have a choice. To fully experience God's joy, we must get our significance from him. Okay, this is funny. <laughs> I ran by the grocery store this morning, Tom Thumb, to illustrate my point on this. And I picked up this magazine, and I thought, ooh, I guess Lindsay Lohan's really not on the front cover anymore. And then I was looking, and I saw Paula Deen and her cute grandson on Good Housekeeping beginning. I was like, ooh, I really want the Paula Deen one. But she doesn't really fit into my talk, so I can't buy Paula. Okay, we were created with a God-shaped void in our heart. We only have to look around us to see plenty of examples of people searching to fill that void. We cannot pick up a magazine without seeing celebrities who seem to have all that the world has to offer. Fame, fortune, outer beauty, yet they are desperately searching for somebody to fill that God-shaped void. One of my favorite movies growing up was Parent Trap. I am a twin myself. Um, of course, we saw the old one, but the remake has Lindsay Lohan in it, and she is so cute. She plays the part of Annie and Hallie. Since that movie, we have watched Lindsay Lohan grow up in front of the tabloids. It is heartbreaking to see someone who is so lost make such poor choices because she is looking for someone to validate her, someone to tell her that she is worthy. It is easy for me to point out someone famous who is floundering, who is trying to find significance in all the wrong places, but the reality is that I too can be sucked into the desires of the world, that I can buy into the thoughts of what will make me a worthy person in other people's sights. May I perform for the audience of one and not many. Um, you need to realize who you are in Christ. We must get our significance from our creator and not from this world. We can experience true joy when we understand that our significance comes from knowing that we were made in his image. Romans 12.2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. So why should we not conform any longer to the pattern of this world? Because it leaves us empty. I was talking to my 13-year-old the other day, and, and there were some things that I was not letting her do that her friends you know, can easily do. And I said, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. We are gonna look different, Caroline. I'm sorry, and that's gonna mean that you can't participate sometimes, and that's hard. Why should, okay, how are we transformed by the renewing of our mind? By meditating on scripture. Um, meditating is thinking on God's word. Print it out, put it on your fridge, put it in your car. Ask God to show you a particular passage if you don't understand it. Pray about it. Ask somebody else who might know, okay? So when you go to bed at night, repeat that verse over and over, memorize it. Um, so, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is my life verse. life verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight and I'm telling you that's such a calming thing if I just say that over and over again before I go to bed then we will be able to test and approve what God's perfect will is remember it is his will we are seeking and not our own and if I have to put that sticky on my bathroom mirror I just Lord your will not mine okay Okay, now I want to talk about what are we doing about it. How well are we serving others? Are we creating margin in our day so that when we see the need around us, we can act on it? God has blessed every one of us with certain gifts and talents, things we love to do. In fact, it might be so easy for you, you don't even recognize it as a gift. What do you like to do? Do you like to cook? Do you like to organize things? Do you like music? Do you like writing? Maybe you're a good note writer. Do you like to spend time with small children? Do you like to problem solve? Okay, here's a great tool. This is something you can get from your small group leader, and it's your spiritual gifts inventory. And this will help you identify if you're not sure what your gifts are. Um, I love how Eric Little um, understood what his gift was, and he wanted to use it to God's glory. You will find pleasure when you are doing what God created you to do. Start with something small. I'm not a great cook, I'm a good cook. But when we moved in five years ago, um, I knew that I could go introduce myself to my neighbor, Claire. All I had to do was walk across the street. This is our neighbor, Claire. This was uh, last Halloween. And the orange is my son, Taylor. And then Charlie's in the cowboy hat and Lucy's in the Hannah Montana. And that is my nephew, Ryer, and his older brother, Merrick, and our friend, Douglas McClay. And um, every Halloween, uh, Claire gets so excited because she gets um, a basket of candy and we were the only ones that she will open, you know, she can come by at 430 and I'll give the kids the candy. Um, yeah, and she closed the door for the night. So she's our 86-year-old neighbor across the street. We met her five years ago when we moved into our house. She has lived in her house for the past 40 years. Claire has become like a grandmother to my children. She's a dear and sweet friend to me. Um, what started out as a simple act of kindness of taking a meal many nights out of the week simply because we could just make an extra plate has grown into something much more than I can ever imagine. We have had many good talks about scripture, about her, um, her Catholic, the Catholic Church growing up. She rejoices when my kids do something well, and she prays for them in the areas that they struggle. When I'm out of town, my husband and my kids will take her a meal. I love that my kids are seeing what it looks like to serve others. God has shown me so clearly in this relationship that it's more blessed to give than receive. I thank the Lord for my sweet neighbor, Claire. Bob and I are looking for opportunities, opportunities to serve with our children. He's involved in prison ministries. And um, although that's a great ministry, it's not really easy to serve with kids. So we decided to, um, we decided to get involved with uh, Mercy Street and, um, and uh, mentor a, a child from uh, West Dallas. So we recently met our little friend, Jose, and he was there with his mother and his younger sister. And before we were matched with Jose, we had to go through a two-hour training program. And um, Trey Hill, the founder, said something that just hit me. He said, we don't need to bring Jesus to West Dallas. He's already here. And I'm like, duh. And you know what? We just need to be his hands and feet. I am praying that we'd be good mentors to jo Jose, that we could model what knowing Christ is. I worry about not making enough time for this friendship. We're all so busy. I'm praying that we would have the wisdom to say no to things so we can say yes to him. I'm excited about where God is going to take this relationship. Let me just say, you may not be in that life stage to do Mercy Street. It might be something else. 
do what works for you. Maybe it's something as simple as writing a note of encouragement to a friend who's struggling or, or simply taking a meal to someone who's had a tough week. What are you doing? Are you following through with your calling by loving others and glorifying God in the process? Let's get our eyes off ourselves, ladies. Now, if you put on these binoculars, can you look at yourself? No, I cannot look at myself. So we really need to put on our binoculars and get the focus off ourselves. Okay, listen to the Holy Spirit. He will tell you. Ask the Lord. He will. In Matthew, it says, The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. We know that we were um, created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We do this by spending time with him in prayer, and we do this by serving others. We are precious in his sight, and we are made in his image. And through time in his word and the Holy Spirit, we become more like him. A Christ in our heart, that's our focus. Focus on the Lord and others and not on ourselves. Remember, use your binoculars. Begin your day praying that the Lord would open your eyes to see the need around you and then pray that he would help you to take action. I do that with my kids in the morning at breakfast, and I just pray, Lord, open our eyes to see the need around us. But so often, I see the need around me, and I don't do anything. So help me to put that into action. In scripture, King David wrote, all the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name. As I go through my day, I want to feel his pleasure and bring glory to his name. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you how you speak truth into our lives, and we thank you that we were made into your image. And I pray, Lord, that we would spend time in your word knowing how precious we are to you and that we can take that and overflow into the lives of others and serve them and show them who you are. Lord, I pray that as we go throughout this week, help us to see the needs of others and help us to glorify you. We love you. Amen.